0: Red Bull Racing arrives in Saudi Arabia as the overwhelming favourite, but is there hope for Ferrari after a dismal first race? Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report in 2023. My name's Michael Laminato, and this is a preview of round two, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Last year's race in Saudi Arabia delivered Sergio Perez, the first pole position of his Formula One career in what was a superb start to his second season with Red Bull Racing, but victory wasn't meant to be his. He controlled the pace easily in the first stint of the race, but an early stop to prevent an undercut bit him hard when Nicolas Latifi crashed one lap later and triggered a safety car. Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz all jumped him with cheap stops, leaving him fourth. Leclerc looked good to grind out the victory, but a late virtual safety car disrupted his momentum and gave Verstappen a crucial opening. The pair played games with a DRS detection line approaching the final corner for the final 10 laps, until Verstappen got his approach just right to benefit from the run down the front straight. A handy yellow flag prevented Leclerc from fighting back in the first sector, and Verstappen won the race by just half a second. Last year I caught up with Luke Smith, now of The Athletic, to debrief the race in Jeddah. I want to talk about a race that we never really got to see, or we only saw a preview of, and that's the race that Sergio Perez wins from pole position.
1: On another timeline, without that crash from Nicholas Latifi, we could very easily be talking about a Sergio Perez victory. He was very unlucky with the timing of that safety car, and he he didn't really put a foot wrong, to be honest. Like He was brilliant in qualifying. I thought that, that was absolutely fantastic that he managed to pull out. And you're you're right, that the there are the quirks that were so difficult for Perez last year and have been, as you say, it's a teammate killer with with Alex Alban before him and Pierre Gasly before Alex Alban. That those appear to have been ironed out, which is which is really really good, I think, for Checo. And he always said through last year that he kind of underestimated just how different an F1 car could be, but the Red Bull, um, yeah, RB16B was, and that he was always under the impression that once the new regs came in, there would be less chance of that being a thing, and he he'd be more sort of uh, more in line with it. And that's proven to be the case, which is really really good. So yeah, I think he can take a lot from this weekend. I think that obviously as this title fight goes on I know it's only round two but if we are looking at a Verstappen versus Leclerc title fight then of course Perez you've got to imagine would be the man to try and play support for his teammate but I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities this year for Checo to try and yeah fight for podiums fight for poles and hopefully fight for wins because he, he deserves it he's I think proven everything this weekend as to why Red Bull made exactly the right call to keep him on for this year and if he can just keep that going then yeah there's no reason why Red Bull can't have solved their number two driver problem. I think it's uh, yeah looking quite positive. Uh, so yeah, a really good performance by Paris this weekend. Very unlucky. I think it's a bit of a shame that yeah he wasn't able to properly get the chance to, to fight for the win. But I think that he can't really look at anything he did as being anything too wrong. I think he did pretty much everything he
0: could i can't believe we're talking about another nicholas latifi inspired safety car changing the outcome <laughs> of the race so soon it's too soon it's too soon for that <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> let's talk about that leading battle because well, it was a cagey middle part of the race i guess first 40 of 50 laps we could also say it is impressive to consider that you know we went so much of the race we even had that battle at the end only half a second is separating these two very different cars, really visually, dramatically different cars. And that before that virtual safety car, which we'll talk about in just a second, they were so close that Verstappen pretty much couldn't make a move. He may as well have been driving against uh, the same kind of car with a different Verstappen in it, perhaps even. The virtual safety car was that other turning point of this race, in the same way that the safety car was earlier on. It seems like uh, Red Bull Racing, and who knows if this is going to be a characteristic of the car, it's too early to say, just fired up its tyres a little bit better and closed that gap a little bit and suddenly we got this battle. There's no doubt though, and this is, I find this an, an interesting debate, it's of course happening online where all the best debates happen, but there's no doubt that this was a fight over DRS really. It was a battle to position yourself best for DRS, there was not so much overtaking, let's say, there was there was one passed before the DRS zone. It was Max Verstappen, but he subsequently lost that position because of DRS. There's no giving up on DRS, obviously. As much as these rules might be working, it's still a very aerodynamic formula. The fundamentals of that are always going to be the same. There's always going to be a, a degree in difficulty of following another car. It seemed very powerful here. Is the lesson perhaps, and this is a good thing regardless that we will be relying less on it. We'll be seeing a shortening of zones, do you think, after this? I mean, it's circuit specific as all DRS zones are, but is it promising that maybe we'll get back to first principles for this system whereby it's just enough to give you a little bit of an extra kick without a pass?
1: Yeah, hopefully. I think that's that's really the goal. I think that, when these new regs were announced that a lot of people did express a hope that yeah, DRS can kind of be there to begin with, but then if we get to the point where we can kind of wean it off, that would be really good. And I think that, yeah, the, the past, uh, past weekend showed that I think that if we'd have only had, if we'd have only had that DRS on the main street, I think that would have been enough. Mm-hmm. That would have been really good in terms of, yeah, let the drivers go for it. And you would have probably avoided this kind of gamesmanship, which was, I mean, it was really exciting, but it also kind of does defeat the object of so It's like, oh, I'm going to slow down to get this, mm-hmm deliberate aid it's like well that's not really what you should be going for it should be no I've got a chance to go for the overtake so I'm going to go for it so I think that yeah there's it's definitely something I think for F1 to look at moving forward I think that all the drivers and team bosses be on the same page for that Leclerc and Verstappen they both said after the race that yeah without DRS I probably wouldn't have done any of those moves so it is Definitely beneficial to have it, but it's just a question of to what extent and how powerful do we want it to be. And I think that yeah, it's maybe maybe felt a little bit too much at times through the through the uh, through the lap at Jeddah. But I think that it it's again it's an evolutionary process. These new regs, I think F1 is very much open to the fact that, yeah, if we can get it right and get a position and we can slowly get rid of DRS and that would be a real real ideal situation. Until then though, then yeah, let, let's keep it and sort of keep it going because if they can give us a race like we had in that battle at the very, very end, I mean, that's really exciting to see.
0: There's one extra component to all of the this battle that, that sort of went into making this such a tight fight, that was the tyres and that's been the that, that last component of making racing a little bit easier, isn't it? Because fundamentally, the problem with the old cars other than losing downforce was that you'd overheat your tyres because you'd not have enough downforce to sort of keep them in the temperature window the medium tyre here which was the middle one in Pirelli's compound did seem still relatively delicate there's a lot of pace management there'll always be some with tyres they're consumables. but it was I thought really encouraging how Max and and Charles both talked after the race about the hard being extremely durable Max talked about qualifying laps which is sort of like the dream right if they could do qualifying laps every lap of the race (laughs) I I mean, Pirelli hasn't really had a chance to test these tyres properly, considering the cars are all new. Is that really now where do you think F1's focus should be? Because if we can get tyres like that, theoretically, that are not too hard for the track, but obviously go really well, then surely even F1 Twitter will have nothing to complain
1: about other than Uh, drive to survive. Yeah, yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, Michael. But um, it it is encouraging, definitely. And I think that the tyres obviously have been such a, a big talking point I think ever since Pirelli took over the tender and this has been such a big change for this year and again it was the idea that yeah you'll be able to push them for longer and there won't be that same level of overheating and I think that yeah the early signs again have been pretty encouraging and it does kind of show the direction that F1 can go down hopefully where yeah this was a race where it wasn't extreme time management or anything like that it was a case of yeah they were able to push and then yeah sort of have periods like the virtual safety car just let them cool off a little bit then the staff as you said earlier got it up to temperature a bit quicker. Leclerc struggled a lot more with his rear tyres. We saw him having a few um, twitches coming out the final corner as they were sort of going a little bit. But but it is it is really good to see that yeah they do feel that they can sort of push for longer and not have this same kind of overheating problems. So I think that yeah it's it's a it's a good sign again. Like it's again it looks like the 2022 reg changes are having the desired effect. And it's sort of weirdly that it's like oh this thing we're doing to make things better is actually making things better. And I don't know if it's speaking too soon, but it's no it's really encouraging so yeah i just hope we can see more fights like this through the year and that yeah if it sort of shows that we've got the right tire sort of formula and like right window in place, then hopefully Pirelli can take that and say, right, if we can get more races like that, that's the direction we want to go down.
0: All the cynicism built up over years with Formula 1 being blown away by a couple of good changes. Maybe, maybe. Half a second. Half a second's all that split them at the end. Had the race gone another lap, maybe Leclerc would have got back ahead. Another lap after that may well have continued until everyone went home. Now, just before we look ahead to this weekend's race, I want to remind you about the new project we're working on in collaboration with Evergreen Podcasts called Pit Pass F1. It's hosted by some of the Paddock's esteemed journalists and some names you'll recognise from the Strategy Report too, Chris Medland and Julianne Sarasoli. Plus you'll get previews from me ahead of every weekend. Subscribe to Pit Pass F1 now to keep up with all the action from the Paddock at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Search Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. So now that we know what happened in last year's Grand Prix, what should we expect this season? Other than the time of day, the Jeddah Corniche circuit could not be more different to the Bahrain track that we opened the season with a fortnight ago. Flowing, super fast and very smooth, it presents a dramatically different challenge to secure. Could it possibly produce a dramatically different result too? Well, you won't find anyone saying that Red Bull Racing's huge advantage in the first round is about to disappear. The RB19 clearly looks like the class of the field, loaded with efficient downforce that gives it an edge through the corners without making it too slow down the straights. But there is still some unknown quantity about the Ferrari package. Ferrari has sacrificed some of last year's prodigious corner performance in exchange for greater top speed. Combined with the abrasive Bahrain circuit and a bad setup, the Italian team was, well, nowhere around the Bahrain track that demands good traction out of the turns. But Saudi Arabia doesn't really have any true slow speed corners. Only one of them is taken slower than 100 hour, and the next slowest is taken at around 150. Everything else is in 4th gear or above. And with a much kinder surface that should facilitate making just one pit stop, on paper Saudi Arabia should much more play to Ferrari's strengths. Team principal Fred Vassar also says that the fact the SF23 was quick in qualifying means it can be quick in the race if it just has the right setup. The only question is, how quick? It might also be good news for Mercedes, which simply lacks downforce this year under the current concept, which it is planning to throw in the bin. That will put Aston Martin in the spotlight after Fernando Alonso's third place last time out. Telemetry showed it is carrying draggy downforce, which in Bahrain did help counter tyre wear, but here it won't be as beneficial. All eyes will be on the green team to see just how adaptable that car is. As for the midfield, well, it's anyone's guess after the difficult to read first race of the season, but it should make for a really interesting battle at one of the sport's most extreme tracks. As for the track itself, there are a couple of key changes, most of them to do with visibility around those super fast corners, but one of them involving that final DRS zone that gave us so much action over the last couple of years. The detection point is moved from before that last corner to just after it to ensure there'll be no more borderline dangerous game playing in the braking zone. How that affects the racing, though, remains to be seen. I'll be back next week to debrief all of the action from Saudi Arabia. Until then, you can subscribe to The Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a mogul podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Special thanks to Ben Loke from Bloke Designs for the show artwork, and our theme music is by Simon Hosford. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you next week to wrap up the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix.
1: Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!